Because I want to talk to you uh, this morning about honor, which is near and dear to my heart. But I wanted to kind of start by, um, I don't know how you deal with seasons. Having, you know, different times um, uh, reveal how you cope with things. Does that make sense? And, and listen to me, everybody has a different way of coping. One of my mecha- mechanisms for coping in difficult situations is I try to find the humor in things. Okay, uh, and, and I am aware uh, that some people are really serious, so when I use my coping me- mechanism of humor, it, it has the tendency maybe uh, to offend some people, and I, I really don't mean that, um, it, but it's just the way it is, and I don't see, I don't, I don't think I'm going to change. Now, I can respect people, and if I, you know, make somebody mad, I just, you know, do what the Bible says, right? That gets you out of a lot of stuff if you do it, but... Have you noticed like some funny things during COVID? Interesting things. Like if you are a rule follower, <laughs> you are in trouble during this season, right? And then if you're a rule breaker, man, you're breaking all kinds of rules. Like there's no happy medium. Like if you have to follow the rules, then you're like, newsflash, rule just changed. I need to add another rule. And then if you're a rule breaker, you're just breaking all kinds of rules. And so, uh, you know, the social distancing thing, you know, when you go into the grocery store and uh, how, how many noticed that there can be six people in the line in the grocery store and you're back in the automotive department, You know, every line you stand in is a long line. (laughs) It is extremely long. And how about, uh, you know, the masks? Hey, you got to wear your mask to to protect people, and I get it. Uh, It's cool. I actually got this mask from the Potomac District. I'm going to buy them for the youth. Uh, I can order some masks, and you can support missions with your purchase of a mask. So if you're interested, I'm going to order some of those. But the masks, like, uh, have, you, have you discovered that you, it's hard to tell who people are? Like, I'm in a store, and somebody's like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, who are they? I don't know. I can't see. You know, Mike came up here. And I was like, I think that's Mike. I'm not sure who's going to give a prophetic word. Um, we're just going to trust Jesus. That's Mike Mills. Oh, it's Mike Mills. Okay, all right. It's just so hard to figure out who's who. And then have you have you forgotten your mask? Right? How many of you? Like, I have 38 masks. You know, and uh, they're all located in like a dropping of laundry everywhere I go so that I have a mask available so that I can, you go all the way to the store. And, you know, because we've lived we've lived our lives a while without wearing masks. So you get to the store and then you're immediately, oh, mask, mask. It, it kind of looks like this. Mask, 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 mask. Oh, no, I don't have my mask. I think I'll go get it. Have you been yelled at yet? No. Do you yell at cashiers? I yell at them. You know why? Because I got a mask on and then I got plexiglass and then they're behind the plexiglass and I'm like, hey, you and she's probably like or he's like yeah I can hear you but I'm like no what are you saying you know I'm yelling at people I'm wearing masks I'm like man I left my mask over there wonder if I could just run in there and just get one thing and run out there real quick is Jesus mad at me because I don't have my mask I can't go I gotta go all the way back home their mask that mask and so it has just been a wild season <laughs> to say the least, but I just try to find the the uh, interesting dynamics that it 
uh, does. You know, good news in Gloucester and in Virginia is that the COVID cases are dramatically decreasing. Praise the Lord, yeah. And so that's, that's good news. Now, I know that's not worldwide. I mean, the, the, you know, it's, it's spreading in, in certain parts of the country. But, I mean, if you just get to the facts-based uh, decisions and look where we're at and where, you know, we're blessed because we don't have uh, our hospital beds are empty. And so if somebody needs a ventilator, they can get a ventilator. But So that's, that's good. So I'm going to pick up our series, Family Recipes, The Secret Ingredient. How many of you can keep a secret? How many are good at keeping secrets? I'm a pastor. If you're a pastor and you're not good at keeping secrets, you need to get another profession. Like, like give up. <laughs> it's wrong. Uh, how many have family recipes that are secret family recipes? Anybody in here have a secret? Yeah, okay. Uh, have you noticed that like, when you have a secret family recipe, you're, you are willing to give most of the ingredients to the recipe except for that one ingredient. It's normally a spice, right? Some special spice. My wife can cook. She's a phenomenal, uh, she has many gifts, and that's one of her gifts. And you can tell uh, <laughs> I like her cooking. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> sometimes my wife will send me to a store to get a spice that I've never heard of. Like, I think she just wakes up in the morning and is like, I think I need this spice. And she's like, hey, baby, can you go to Walmart and get me this spice? And I'm like, can you repeat that again? What? I have never heard of that spice. Can you take a picture of it? Is it an actual spice? How did you know that spice? I've never heard of that spice. Have you ever gone to Walmart and tried to get a spice? <laughs> that, there is no organization with the spices, people. There is not, you know what, I, I had this thought. We should take, we should get the Dewey Decimal System and we should apply, nobody uses it anymore. We should apply it to spices. So my wife sends me to the store to get a spice, to a spice I've never heard of. I'm looking at the spices. They're, they're not even in alphabetical order. Come on, people. Can we just do that? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know? And so then I'm looking for the spice I have never heard of in my whole entire life. And then my eyes, I don't know, guys would probably go with me with this. My eyes start blurring. Like I am, I am in a trance, in a different world, because I am trying to concentrate. But the more I concentrate, the more it blurs. And I'm sitting there. And then finally, after five minutes, because I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't like to ask for help. About five minutes, it might be 15 minutes. But anyways, five minutes, I will finally ask can somebody please get this spice? Now let me look it up on my phone so I can try to pronounce it right. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that's spice. I'm like, I want to take this phone and hit you in the head. No, I, no, I, don't, I don't say that. I, I, I seldom think that, but <laughs> on occasion. But then they come over to the spice, and then they're like, oh, yeah, here it is. And you're like, <laughs> You did it for 15 minutes. Like you went to the class 
and understood the secret of how they arranged the spices. You see, I thought I missed it in home ec, but you've had the same thing. Like, I didn't pay attention my senior year. I'm thinking they taught me that then, and I just wasn't paying attention. And so then you get the spice, and I want to personally buy eight of those spices. Like, I'll come home with, like, three things. And Jennifer's like, I only needed a teaspoon. I was like, baby, you have teaspoons for eternity right there. Cost us 15 bucks, but we're never going to have to worry about finding that spice again, that secret spice. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Now, don't pass out. Close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. I want you to do some visualization. You don't have to if you don't want to. I want you to do some visualization. Do you know that visualization is a great ingredient to live your best life if you just visualize things? All right, all right. Take a deep breath because you can't breathe. Maybe put your thing down so you can take one little breath out of your nose. Now imagine you're in your house and you open up the spice cabinet. All right. Now some of you are like, I've never been in my spice cabinet. I want you to imagine somebody else's spice cabinet that you actually looked at one time. Now look and look at all the spices. Man, they're all everywhere. You ever notice when you open up your spice cabinet, you, you get all the spice smells, right? And so now I want you just to, to picture with me the spices, maybe, uh, or maybe this, maybe I'm going to make some of you hungry and you're going to make spaghetti today, but maybe you're making your special spaghetti and hopefully your spaghetti sauce has meat in it or it doesn't count as spaghetti sauce, okay? So just think about your spaghetti sauce. What are you going to, maybe some oregano, maybe some garlic, just pay attention, focus, focus, slow down, focus. Do you see it? Do you see it? Now what I want you to do is I want you to look, begin to look at those spices. And instead of them having the name of a spice on them, they would say things like life, love, joy, peace, hope, faith, power, humility, truth, and honor. And what I want you to do is I want you to grab that honor spice and I want you to pick it out of that cabinet and we're going to talk about honor this morning. And you can go ahead and open your eyes. If you want to, turn to Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. I think it was a little less than a year ago. I was in Mexico. We did a missions trip to Mexico. And I was in Puebla, and when we're in Puebla, we stay at this Holiday Inn, and at the very top of the Holiday Inn is a pool, and in Puebla, they have a volcano, and you can go up there, and you're in the mountains, and you can see this volcano, and it's actually an active volcano, so in the morning when the sun comes up, you see like little smoking coming out of the volcano. It is brilliant. It is so beautiful, and so there was a few of us on the team that would go up there every, uh, we'd get up early every morning, and we'd do a meditation, and what we would meditate on would be the attributes of God, some of the things I just uh, shared with you, life, love, hope, joy, peace, humility. And I remember, I think it was day three or four, have you ever gotten out of context? When you get out of context, God seems to speak clearer. Right? And it's not God not, not being clear before, it's you are out of context, so therefore you can hear him a little clearer. And so I'm on top of the building, and I feel like the Holy Spirit tells me, says, listen, son, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend the rest of your life studying the attributes of me. 
And in the study of the attributes of me, you will be able to lead people where they need to go, dependent on any situation, because everything that you need is in me. And one of those attributes is honor. I would say it was a secret ingredient that our culture misses out on. And so I am a person of the, of, of, of the importance of a culture of honor. And I've preached on it several times. And I'm going to take a little different perspective. I want you to see in Scripture where there was dishonor. And then I'm going to allow the word when people dishonored Christ, and here's my hope, that when you see clearly what dishonor is, you will then make the needed corrections in your life to then live in honor. Now, I put these, uh, these uh, messages together, the, the, the outline, um, early in the week, and I just came back from the mountains, so I am not getting through all these notes. I told Sarah, do not put blanks in my notes because I'm not going to get through all these notes. <laughs> all right, so don't worry about that. All right, so here in, let's go to Mark chapter 6, verse one. Now, here's where we're at. Uh, Jesus has just raised uh, a girl from the dead, and he has decided that he's going to go back home. Jesus is going back home. He's going back home with his disciples but he's going back home this time. When Jesus returns back home, he's returning as a rabbi, as a teacher. The, the, the boy or the man that left before is a different person coming back into the hometown. Let's pick it up in verse 1, chapter 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. Now listen, he's going home to Nazareth. Nazareth is a town of roughly 500 people. Verse two, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Uh, the word amazed there means struck out, astounded, overwhelmed. So the people of, the, of Nazareth have heard of Jesus and what he is doing. He comes back home. He goes and teaches in the synagogue. Now we can pick up from the passage that quite a few people have come to hear, hear Jesus, and some of them were astounded. I mean shock, struck out. Then listen how uh, this kind of changes in verse uh, uh, 2, uh, which would be 2b, right? Uh, where did this man get these things, they asked. Now listen, just pause for a second. When, he, when they are asking this question, where did this man? There is no mention of Jesus' name. It's this man. They are speaking about Jesus in a context that seems to be just a little off. And we'll see it in, in a minute. He says, they asked, what's this wisdom that he has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Notice this. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Now listen, they are disrespecting and dishonoring Jesus merely by that statement. Because in Jewish tradition, when you talked about a son, you always referenced the father. Notice how they say, is this the son of Mary? They don't say it's Jesus. They say it's the son of Mary. They are insulting Jesus. They are dishonoring him. It says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the son and brother of James, Joseph, 
Judas and Simon aren't his sisters here with us, and they took offense at him. Now, this word took offense at him is an interesting word in the Greek. It is skandalizing, and I probably messed that up, but only three of you would know if I did. All right, we get the same, we get the English word scandal from it. Matter of fact, this word is used eight times in the Gospel of Mark, and in each instance, it's used as an obstruction that prevents one from coming to faith and following Jesus. When they took offense, they were so offended at him that it actually was such hardness that they would never come to him. So you had these two two people represented. You had people that were amazed, struck out, of the awesome things that Jesus was teaching. And then you have these people in his hometown that are so offended at him, it doesn't matter what he says, what he does, they are not coming to, uh, they're, not, they're, not, they're not interested in him. They're offended at him. And Jesus said this, I, a prophet is without honor except in his own hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. Jesus is referencing a proverb right there, and he is saying to them, he, he is, he is uh, comparing himself to an Old Testament prophet that, that is not, they're not heeding his word. He's saying, I'm just like the Old Testament prophets right now. In my own hometown, I am being disrespectful. I am being dishonored because of who I am. And verse 5 says this, he could, do, he could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I would propose that the few people that got healed were probably the ones that were astounded and struck in awe of his teaching. And he was amazed. Jesus was amazed at what? Their lack of faith. That is that is wild to me. Matter of fact, in this, in this passage, there is, there is no indication that Jesus ever goes back home. He comes and he's dishonored and he leaves. Now let me, let me point some things out, brought out from this text that maybe might clarify dishonor for you. I have it in your notes, the definition of dishonor. To dishonor is to treat as common or ordinary. Just allow that to, th- to sink in a little bit. To dishonor is to treat as common or ordinary. Now, from this passage, I can pick a few things up that in your life, if you walk in a dishonorable way of life, this is what this is some observations from from Pastor Daniel, all right, from the text. First of all, when you are dishonoring people, you are normally hostile, self-centered, and selfish. And you can pick that up from the text. They're hostile to him, they're self-centered, and they're selfish. They, they, are treating, they are treating Jesus as just one of them. He's common. And when you are walking in dishonor, you are walking in selfishness, self-centeredness, and you are hostile. Listen to this. When you are walking in dishonor, it leads to offense and unforgiveness. Because when you dishonor someone, when you look at someone other than the way that Jesus looks at them, you are devaluing them, and then that leads you to be, to, to be offensive 
about them and then leads you to unforgiveness. When you can take a name from somebody and remove their name and just look at them in common and ordinary, you devalue them and then you have the propensity. The, the, uh, you're, you're walking into the trap of offense when you start looking at people not the way that Jesus requires you to look at. And this one, it hinders the miraculous. I think sometimes people aren't getting healed, not because Jesus doesn't want to heal them, but because they are living their lives in dishonor and it hinders. It, I'm not saying it, that Jesus won't heal you because he healed some, but you can clearly indicate in the text that it hindered the amount of healing that took place. Dishonor closes the door, so to speak, at least shuts it almost all the way to allow the kingdom of God to manifest in your, in your life, in my life. And then it's rooted in unbelief. It's carnal. It's not, of, uh, it's not a kingdom mindset. It's of this world. It is birthed out of uh, carnality. It is rooted in unbelief. And the definition to me is like, hey, to dishonors the treat as common or ordinary. I, I, I love Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you discern a pattern in this world, we're not to associate with the pattern. We're supposed to get the correct teaching from the word of God and live that pattern out. The pattern of the kingdom is honor. The pattern of this world is dishonor. And it causes us to walk in things that we don't, we shouldn't walk in. All right, so that's the heavy stuff. <laughs> don't leave me there, Pastor Daniel. I'm not gonna leave you there. Here, <laughs> let me talk to you about honor. And let me inspire you to honor people. Uh, and uh, honor means to respect or highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. Romans chapter 12, 9 through 12 says this, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Who are we called to honor? We are called to honor one another. And this is where I'll land today because I'm running out of time. We are called to honor one another, to value, to esteem, to look as precious or weighty. Do you notice that honor to me, honor is love in action. Honor is love in action. And look, look, respect is earned, honor is given. This is why honor is love in action. Because if you, if you understand the agape love of God that is unconditional, that is without cause or without reason, it is freely given, and Jesus calls us to be people of love, then how do you show that love? You show that love by walking in honor, esteeming and, and looking at people as precious and valuable and weighty and looking at, after the interest of others, not at the the interest of yourself. You are looking at people. Doesn't matter their race. 
It doesn't matter the denomination. It doesn't matter their beliefs. It doesn't matter any of that. We are called to be people of love. Love is the most powerful force on the planet. And how do we show that? We show that by living out a culture of honor, of honor. I remember I took over the youth, I think it was four or five years ago, and, and I was struggling when I first started because uh, those that I was leading are, you know, 25 years younger than me, and I'm like, how do, I, how do I resonate? How do I say something that makes sense to them? How do I inspire them to be all they can be in Jesus? And, and I began to look at the culture, and I was like, you know what? Our culture is negative. Our culture is critical. Our culture just tears people down, doesn't like to build them up, and Jesus isn't that way. He's not that way at all. So how do I build a culture where a student could come in and they can, they can be a little different and they can feel comfortable in our midst and they could grow in their relationship with God? How do I do that? And, and I started by saying, hey, let's find them doing something right and just call it out. Let's not look for what they're doing wrong. They, they have plenty of people that are pointing out what they're doing wrong. Let's find them, catch them doing something right and bring attention to it. And I was like, hey, and I, wanna, I want all my team to do that and begin to do that. And, and, uh, and I hooked up with uh, Reuben Spencer. If you don't know the Spencers, you should meet the Spencers. But Reuben Spencer particularly, uh, Reuben and I played football together in high school. And, you know, I go off on my way. And, and you know, the way our lives worked out, I, I end up coming and serving here. Reuben comes here. And, and so we're like, hey, Reuben's the type of person, if you're a friend with him, he's a friend with everybody. Uh, but when you're friends with him, it's like you could not see him in 20 years. You have these friends, not see them in 20 years, and then you just pick up right where you left off. And so Reuben's like, hey, you know, at that time, Isaiah was playing football for the Dukes. And, and uh, Reuben's like, hey, come to the football game with me, watch my son play. And I was like, oh, I love this. And Reuben Reuben, we, we stand at the fence, and the game is playing, and Reuben would just say this, this statement, I see you, I see you, and game after game after game, year after year, I think it was two years, I would just listen to that man yell across the field, I see you, I see you. And something in me, man, I didn't know it then, but when you know how you can see the kingdom, here's how you see the kingdom. When you see something right, that's the kingdom. Righteousness. When you see something's right, and something was right about that statement. And I remember running down Main Street, and, and the Lord was like, look, here's how you build a culture of honor. You see them, and you call them out. You say, I see you. And I was like, oh. And I sat down with Reuben, over lunch, and I said, listen, Reuben, you've touched my heart, and I want to steal your phrase, <laughs> and can I use your phrase, and can I just call out people and say, I see you. There are so many people in our world that feel like they're not seen, and could we just honor them, esteem them, look at them as precious and weighty, to see them how Jesus sees them. They are created in the image of God, and could we not? As the people of God, call them out. Not hold our ICUs, but we would call those out and say, I see you. We started in The Verge, and it started slow. But I remember when, when, when I would call a student up and I would say, I see you. They would be working six hours fixing something or, or serving in the church. And I would walk by them in the office, and I would see them in the morning and in the evening. They would be, be folding bulletins or cleaning something. And at Wednesday night, they wouldn't know. But I saw them, and I would say, hey, I see you. And I'd call them up, give them some kind of gift. And here's what happened. 
happen. In our culture, the honor, culture of honor began to manifest because then the students would say, I see you. So not only were adults seeing him, they were seeing him. I remember we went through this, we went through this phase, and I know I've gone over time, whatever, it's too late now. <laughs> when I, uh, we went through this season where we were leading people to Jesus. It was just a great time in The Verge. And, I would, and I, when, I was, when I was preaching the gospel, I would say this, I see you, I see your hand, but you know who sees your hand? Jesus sees your hand. Jesus sees your commitment. Yeah, I see you. But man, it's so important that Jesus sees you right now. And I would call him up and give him a Bible. And it's just the way things are supposed to be. It's right. It's right. And so I wonder this morning if we could align and correct. And maybe during this season where when we watch the news, it's not about information, it's about affirmation. People are looking for the news for affirmation, not information. It's skewed. And I wonder if we could just take a couple steps back and we could say, as for me and my household, we're going to walk in honor and we're going to esteem people and we're going to value them. If they're in the political office, if they're an enemy, whoever they are, we're going to esteem them. And I'm not saying don't protest. I'm not saying don't stand for injustice. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying my household, your household, could we establish and teach our kids how to walk in a culture of honor? We need to be intentional about that. And we are the ones that need to make the adjustment. You know, and, and it, you have these things. I call it a secret ingredient because I tell you what, you're not going to sell many books writing it about honor. You're not going to sell many books writing it about humility. You're not going to sell many books writing about character. Those don't sell. These sermons won't get shared, but they are essential in seeing the transformation that we want to see in our culture comes from men and women of God saying, we are gonna walk in a culture of honor. And that means we esteem and we value everybody that is in our influence. And if we all did that, we can't fix everything in this world, but one church can make a world of difference in Gloucester. One church can make a world of difference in, in here. And I'm talking about one church being one, just the churches. One prayer, one individual making that decision. So let's pray. Lord, I come to you today. Father, I pray that this word of honor is weighty. Weighty in a way that we would look at that word, honor, and we would not, we would not be able to just think it was just an ordinary word, but that it was an ingredient that we need to establish and study and walk out in our lives so that when we can clearly discern and understand the importance of just this one attribute of you, we would be able to pass that on to our children's or children's children and that we would see the benefit of honoring you. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name, amen.